Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project podcast show. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hello, everybody. We are super stoked, as we always are, because every time we have another episode, it means that we have another incredible woman who has uh, reached out because they were really touched by our project and wanted to contribute to this project. And so let me tell you a little bit about Adeline Kunanan Liang. So she is a 1.5 generation Filipino-American immigrant soon-to-be licensed psychologist. She currently works at three private practices doing individual therapy and testing. The places that she works at are Southern California Psychology Centers in Sara Mesa, also in Follier Compass, where she does dialectical behavioral therapy and gender therapy, and Psychology 360, where she does psychological and psychoeducational testing. While in graduate school, she did her (laughs) dissertation research on 1.5 generation Filipino immigrants and proposed a model based on her participants' acculturation experiences and ethnic identity development. So Dr. Adeline Kunanong Liang, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's our to absolute, be here. <laughs> yes, yes, we're so happy to have you. I just want to start by saying like I am in admiration of the profession you're in and you're pursuing because back in college I majored uh-huh. in psychology and my uh-huh. first semester in school I got I took psychology 101 and at uh-huh. the end of that semester I got my first F in my life. And it was in psychology oh 101. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so kudos. That, yeah. So that was, that was very encouraging for me. No, I changed my major like two, three times after that. And I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy with the path I ended up taking, but I've always been mm-hmm. fascinated with the mind and what people's mo- motives and like why they do certain things and like, where does it stem back from? And so I feel mm-hmm. like today I get to live vicariously through you and what you have, what you have to share with us today. <laughs> Thank you. That's actually what drew me to the to the field as well. It's just like it's like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we start by sharing? How did you hear about our project, and what inspired you to jump on and share your story? So I first heard about you through social media. Like I came back from like a Filipino American mental health and well being conference day, and I was very just like I need to connect with my community, and then I just went on like on social media and found a bunch of like Filipino American like pages or Instagram like pages on Facebook or whatever. So that's how I found you first. And then I started listening to your podcast maybe a month or so later. So one of the podcasts I was listening to, I think it was episode four, she was kind of talking about her experience immigrating to the U.S. And it just really reminded me of my dissertation. And I was just like, oh, and then that resembles this and this and that. And then at the end of that episode, you guys were talking about mental health. And I was just like, hey, that's what, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's when I decided to kind of reach out and just to, yeah, to see if I could have anything to offer or share my story or, you know, yeah, share the information that I learned through my research. 
Yeah, I think that's so cool how you did a study on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm excited to kind of delve more more into it as we go throughout this interview. As I, as I mentioned, and the reason why this show exists is to create a platform for individuals who live or have lived in America that mm-hmm. are of Filipino descent and identify as female. And so we'd love to hear, you did mention that you're 1.5 generation Filipino-American mm-hmm. woman. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and why you do identify as a Filipino-American woman. Well, I am a woman. Um, I pronounce that <laughs> she heard. I was born in the Philippines. I came here when I was about five, almost six. My dad had been here two years before me to kind of establish herself and everything like that. And so, so yeah, so I very much grew up in a household that wanted to uphold Filipino values, maintain those. My dad was very much like he was part of a Filipino organization mm. that I remember like seeing him like during these meetings of like, yeah, when we have these meetings, we should have someone stay with the kids and make sure that they still, they can still speak the language. We should have someone teach them Tagalog. And I'm just like over there, like, oh, I'm just trying to not be called a fob. Like, mm. I don't, I don't know really that interested in that. But, but yeah, so he was very much like, no, we need to keep with our language. When I was in second grade, he was like, you're not speaking Tagalog as much anymore. So he would try to like encourage me. I don't know if encourage is the right word, but like on the weekends to only speak Tagalog. Mm. and or otherwise I would have to do chores and I don't like chores (laughs) (laughs) and so if I ever get to a word that I didn't know I would just like stop talking Mm. and then he was just kind of learning that like well we don't want her to just not talk (laughs) so that didn't really last long but yeah so very much like having strict values of like yeah and like like very much like we always think about our community and put our family first but yeah, that was that was at home. And and then I went to school who at the time the first school that I went to was predominantly kids who were of Mexican or, or Vietnamese descent, right? I'm lighter skinned, I have more Asian features, so a lot of people often thought I was Vietnamese. And mm. then I would hang out with like the Mexican kids and like we would because I felt culturally that I could just connected with them more. But yeah, and that was interesting and confusing at the same time because it was just like, oh, I don't necessarily fit with the Asian kids, right? I remember my like, my best friend was like coloring a picture of us and she like colored herself brown and then she colored me like yellow and I didn't recognize that. I was just like, who is this? Why are you putting so-and-so there? And I thought that was yeah. us. And then she's all like, no, because that's just you. And I was like, but it's yellow. And she was just like, yeah, because you're Asian. And I was like, but I'm Filipino. I'm brown. I don't know how I already knew or made that association. Mm. But I was like, I'm Filipino. I'm brown. And she's all like, yeah, Philippines is in, in Asia. So you're yellow. And I was just like, no, no, no I'm brown. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I don't, yeah. 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 Since when, <laughs> since when, did, I don't understand. I don't understand where this like yellow, like how are we assigned mm-hmm. yellow? I don't, uh-huh. does anyone know that? That's like, a really okay. good question. I've heard that where it's like, if you're going to color certain ethnic people, like obviously mm-hmm. black people would be brown and white people would be white, but Asians are mm-hmm. yellow. And I'm just like, yeah. where does that go? Yeah. Who looks yellow? I don't know anyone that I, looks I yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I've always like, wondered that too. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just so bizarre. Uh, one thing I, I think is really interesting, Adeline, is kind of hinted at like your relationship with your dad. We had an interview with Clarice Aguilera. She's episode mm-hmm. 15. I have like, I have my list next to me because it's so I can reference. <laughs> I have to like edit it later. But no, episode 15, she was talking about how she she had felt like it's really the woman or the, the mother in the mm-hmm. family to like pass down pass culture. Down tradition. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really, I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting that your father really, really valued preserving the, the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've definitely gotten into a lot more fights with my dad because of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I do like, yeah, in my research studies, I, I found that as well. It's just like, yeah, the, the females have the responsibility of passing it down, right? Like when we have get togethers, they're the ones who like typically are the hostess and make sure that everyone's included. And yeah, they're the, the bearers of culture. But I don't know if it's necessarily, so my parents kind of grew up in, in different places in the Philippines. So my mom was in Manila and mm-hmm. typically like Manila, Luzon, like that's more, I guess, westernized compared to like where my dad grew up. My dad grew up in Auckland and we, there's a lot of like, just like older traditions. I don't know. I don't know if that's the correct word, but he was very much connected to that. I think it was always just more important to him. My mom was a lot more focused on kind of trying to assimilate when I, I think I've heard this mentioned in your podcast before, but like colonial mentality, Mm -hmm. right? Like she was the one who was always trying to make sure that I didn't get dark and that I shape my try to shape my nose so that I would have that bridge right mm-hmm. or like made sure that I spoke English well right she was making sure that I kind of adjusted more to American society where my dad was just like the one who was like like I would go to him and be like look it's normal for teenagers to to go to dances and he'd be like well what's normal right mm-hmm. like well in the Philippines this isn't necessarily normal right and I was like I don't like the Philippines <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But we would have those like that intergenerational conflict because it's just like it's he was very much like I'm I'm going to maintain these values. And I, I part of me kind of wondered if that's also because of so both of my parents only have one sibling here. My dad's eldest brother is the one that came here and kind of like tried to petition the rest of the family. Everyone else chose to stay back in the Philippines except for my dad. <laughs> and in my in my uncle's family, like the his daughters are very acculturated and they didn't, they didn't necessarily speak Tagalog. And I don't know if it was more of a motivation of just like, I want to make sure I can still and connect with my daughter in this way. That is one of the reasons why he wanted to do that. But, but yeah. Yeah. I I can imagine how complicated that relationship Mm -hmm. could have been. That aside, I, I admire how, I guess, determined he was and how stubborn he was Mm -hmm. in a way to like not (laughs) assimilate because I think about, I think about my own family and they were all about assimilation or they were really all about like not rocking the boat in American society. Mm -hmm. Most of my family, I bet you that I have family members that listen to this podcast, but they'll never (laughs) tell me because they don't want (laughs) to confront me about whatever I talk about on the show. You know, like they're very like non-confrontational. And so it's just, uh, I, I'm in awe of that. Like, I, I mean, I know it's it's a, a whole complicated thing in itself to have that type of mm-hmm. dynamic with your father, but yeah. I, yeah, I just find it like quite fascinating. I think, I think you're the first person I've spoken to who has a father that cares so much about mm-hmm. preserving culture. Yeah. And I think also just in general, like I think my, my dad's family was a lot closer to each other. 
like their mm-hmm. family connection was just a lot closer than in comparison to my mom. I'm saying that my mom was, wasn't close. It's just their relationship was just a little bit more different. But yeah. You kind of touched on it a little bit, Jen, but I think that so far, all of the people that we've interviewed and including both you and I, like you said, are used to coming from families where it was all about assimilation and kind of the opposite of what your dad, Adeline, was trying to do with you. And hearing that, like, I can only imagine as a child to have one parent who really wants you to lead your life that way and the other parent who was with you about trying to help you assimilate and wanting to do that for you, I'm sure, as your mom, that probably mm-hmm. left you in a very <laughs> conflicting place as a child. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious to hear kind of how you have worked through that and where that leaves you now as an adult identifying as a yeah. Filipino American woman because you have had both Mm-hmm. both perspectives and you said you're an only child so it's kind of like mm-hmm. I feel like that heightens everything <laughs> yeah 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 all the expectations all in one <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah all on your shoulders right mm-hmm. yeah it was funny because I so growing up my initials were ABC and my mom they they wanted more multiple kids but because of complications or whatever they they didn't they was they were left with me mm-hmm. <laughs> and their plan was originally like if they have other kids it would be because you know how there's like this I don't know if it's a tradition or what it is but like there's there's families where everyone has the same initial yes. in their name right like that's, their first name has is like all ours or something yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah they wanted to they wanted to mix it up and just be like oh the first kid is A the next is gonna be B the next kid's gonna be C Oh, and it's just like, I ended up taking all of them because yeah, ended up being my nice. <laughs> it's like, oh, surprise. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that that kind of coming to like where I am like now, especially in my relationship with my parents, we had a lot of heartache, <laughs> especially like during like I think high school, college, especially in college. <laughs> I I was very adamant about like I I I wanted my I wanted independence like I grew up in this society right where there is an emphasis on being independent and being your own person being autonomous right and that there would be times where me and my dad especially would have these arguments and in my point of view right my dad was very like I thought he was just overreacting and I would just and I would stand my ground and my mom would always have to be the one who's like, no, you know, Adeline, like, you know, your dad. Right. And to me that it often translated to, you know, your dad is not going to apologize. So you have to do it. And from my point of view of being like that individualistic, right. Like independence, right. Autonomous, like point of view, it's just like, I am the child in this parent-child relationship. (laughs) Like, why do I have to be the bigger person? But in their point of view of like, in cultural, like, like, right, like the death of the self, death of the soul, right? This is what I owe my parents, right? So I don't know if this is familiar, but it's like this, the sense that you owe your parents something, you owe them something because of they gave you the gift of life. They, they they sacrificed for 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 the you. The debt of will, right? For yes, your, yeah. To them, it's just like, well, I owe them my respect because they gave me life. They put the sacrifice and and came here. They they did so much for me. 
and in me being very like again individualistic autonomous right these aren't my decisions yeah right? like I didn't I didn't ask for you to to make this sacrifice for me I didn't choose those decisions like you're the one who made those before I was even born <laughs> Yeah. Or like, yeah, like I thought I was just going to Disneyland. <laughs> I didn't know I wasn't going back. Right? <laughs> and so it's just like, hello, you know, like what's going on? But yeah, and eventually it was just like, yeah, like I, I would give in and and mix up with my dad. I, I say my apologies or whatever, and we 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 had some pretty big fights because of it. One of them lasted a little bit and had my godmother's calling me <laughs> to, to encourage me to like make up with him once here in California but the other ones in in the Philippines and mm-hmm. she was just all like you are your dad's only daughter like he cannot lose you right so it's just like okay <laughs> I get it wow awesome. yeah I can imagine like how much he loves you and he just mm-hmm. takes it out in a way that does not vibe with it. It doesn't yeah. look like love to you, but the way that he's doing it is really out of love. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a lot of it is because of the fact that he, he wanted what was best for me and I wasn't following in, in the expectations that he had for me or what his, his dreams are for me in my life. Mm-hmm. But it's just like coming to my own of like, I, I have my own dreams of what I want to do with my life. And we've grown a lot because of we, we work through a lot of these things and uh, we actually have a pretty good relationship now. Good. Um, yeah. He actually encouraged me to go on this podcast. So that was cool. Aww. <laughs> well, thanks uncle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's cool. Well, shout out to you, uncle or, or Tito or whatever, whatever you prefer. <laughs> yeah. Our family, we say uncle. So <laughs> yeah. All right, Jenny was here jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, Finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thefillonwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. Yeah. 
Um, as, as someone who lost her dad at 10, I'm sure you had a very complicated relation, relationship with him. And yet I'm even living vicariously through the stories that you're sharing and the fights that you've had with him. I'm just like, oh, I'm not saying that I would have wished for that. Like, I'm sure if I still had my dad, like I would probably have the same problems as you, but it's like, oh, so that that's what it would be like if my, if my dad was like around. I'm not like the oldest, but I was like, I'm the eldest daughter. So I think he would have been uh, extra protective. And when I was younger, I, when he was still around, I remember, uh, sometimes I joke that he loved me more than my brother because he was always like, my brother was the eldest. So he was always like giving my brother a hard time. And I remember one time, this is so funny. My brother was playing video games and we were in, we were in the room together. And I was like, I was reading a comic book, Calvin and Hobbes, if anyone's ever like, Mm -hmm. like read Calvin Mm -hmm. and Hobbes like way back when mm-hmm. so then my dad comes in and he's all like he's like john paul like it's my brother's name john paul he's like john paul mm-hmm. he's like what are you doing playing games look at your sister she's reading you should be reading and i'm like reading a comic <laughs> i'm not reading like yeah. an encyclopedia or anything you know yeah. but it was just like like he never got mad at me and but i i imagine things would have changed as i got older and he'd be like he would like turn down any guy that i wanted to date or whatever and <laughs> maybe i would have run away from home anyway yeah <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I, I like I don't have any siblings, so I don't, don't really have a, a person to necessarily compare this to. But I did have cousins that used to like come and stay. So I had a cousin in the Philippines. He was also an only child. He stayed with us for a little bit. And he used to get to do so much more stuff. And I was just mm. all like, come on, I'm a girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was one of the things that we thought about, too. Um, but yeah. But it's one of those things where it's just like the sense of like having to protect me or or whatever that he, you know, like I understand that the sense of like wanting, wanting to love and protect your daughter. Yeah. And it's funny because it's a, when I was in the Philippines, one of the earliest memories I have of my dad, because, because like I mentioned, he came here a couple of years before me. Mm -hmm. So there was a couple of years where I was in the Philippines that, that as far as I remember, I, I didn't recognize him when he came to visit. And he had this like toy that he wanted me to like go to and be all excited about and like be, my dad's a very affectionate guy. And so he mm-hmm. wanted, you know, wanted like hugs and kisses type of thing. But I was just like, I, I don't really know you. <laughs> like you, like he was yeah. there for like, cause he was here. And I, I had that experience of like, I, I, I didn't know you like when I was three or four. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember from that far back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank yeah, thank you so much for for sharing all that, and just I'm just kind of like prying into it because (laughs) because I didn't have a dad growing up, so I'm just like, oh, tell me about your dad. (laughs) Tell me about (laughs) tell me about all the fights. Tell me about all the arguments, and like, and then you know, coming together and like loving each other so much more in your adult Mm -hmm. life. You know, Um, no, I (laughs) I love it, and I, I appreciate you sharing that about about your father with us. So, uh, but let's go ahead and fast forward to today. When I read your bio, you're clearly very, very busy uh, working at three different practices and even going to graduate school and soon to become licensed psychologist. I know I already gave a snapshot of your life, but why don't you share with us like mm-hmm. what you feel like keeps you the most busy and excited nowadays about life? <laughs> yeah, let me think about that. <laughs> yeah. Busy work for sure. You know, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, I do work at three different places currently studying to take my last board exam to be licensed and uh, a licensed psychologist I'm looking for like funner or easier ways to kind of disseminate like my my dissertation right typically it's mm-hmm. like after your dissertation you're supposed to publish but I'm just like I am not a fan of writing mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've <laughs> 
I've gone on like I went to I presented as part of like a roundtable discussion in Chicago at APA. We're going to be presenting this as a poster presentation at the Asian American Psychology wow. Asian American Psychology Association. It's a conference here in in San Diego next month, actually. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! So, I didn't even know so there was such a thing. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. Thank you. So that's kind of keeping me busy. Again, work, right? Like I do individual therapy. My biggest thing right now is kind of considering, okay, what I, when I am licensed, which of these jobs I'm going to keep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'd rather not have three, but like I, I love being able to, to do all three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, part of it is like the one of the, the ones that I am a little bit more passionate about is the one in, in Del Mar, um, mm-hmm. your Compass, where I do dialectical behavioral therapy. It's interesting for me because it's just like this isn't necessarily like the form of therapy or the it falls into the, the orientation that I really liked when I was studying. Like I was more like attachment focused. Like I wanted to look at how early early relationships kind of play a role into your current like uh, patterns and how you interact with other people. Like that was mm-hmm. that was my thing. But dialectical behavioral therapy was kind of the it was developed to address like self-harm and suicidal thoughts and I remember wow. when I was in high school like I had a bunch of friends who who cut and I think it mm. was in college where like Filipino adolescents were like the number one population to engage in self-harm or cutting mm. and I think we're still like top five and so it's just like I feel like I need to like be trained and specialize in this model yeah um, so that's kind of what I'm doing I'm making sure that I can connect to my community and, and provide services that I feel like is is relevant right those are my two two main things right now, getting training in both. And yeah. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, I had I I knew a couple of people who who cut themselves and it's or and, I, and I've been it's been described to me before of like why people cut themselves. It's like it's like the mm-hmm. one thing that you can control when you yeah. feel like when you feel like, yeah. like everything else is is already like set up for you. And you're not really like mm-hmm. living your life, but it's hard to like articulate that. It's hard to like fight against yeah. it. And so I definitely been one who had uh, struggled with suicidal thoughts when I was really young and mm-hmm. even, even more so in the recent years with all the transitions that I've been through, like I've, I've uh, mm-hmm. moved, I've moved like six times in the last like handful of years and oh, um, wow. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, different and- cities are just like houses different houses and then cities. Yeah. So like the mm-hmm. last, the yeah. last two That's moves good. I was in, well, the last, the first, yeah. What, yeah. Anyway, I moved around a lot and, and <laughs> yeah. it, it just, it, it just seems like a lot of times, like life just seems like out of control. And I I've mentioned this in like mm-hmm. a previous episode, but I had recently been diagnosed with mild depression and I was kind mm-hmm. of like in denial about it for a while until I had like some recent episodes, like around my husband and I came to terms with it. I was like, okay, I have this. Mm-hmm. But I feel I feel very fortunate like right now because mm-hmm. I started taking CBD oil like every day and it's made a ton of difference for me. Like I don't know if it's for it's I don't know mm-hmm. if it's for everyone. I'm not I'm not telling everyone to do it, but like it work it really works for mm-hmm. me. Like I I'm more focused mm-hmm. now and like I like I don't when I get triggered, I I I don't go to that place. 
And mm-hmm. when I feel frustrated, I go to a kickboxing gym now. So I get a, nice. I get to like let all that yeah. anger out. Like even today, I was telling Nani today yeah. that I was just having a day. And mm-hmm. even even when I went to the kickboxing gym, like I came in like five ten minutes late, and they're like, you know, you need to come earlier. And I'm just like, I was like, I'm here, okay, I'm here. Like, aren't you happy? I'm here, and I'm a paying customer. Like, yeah, shouldn't you be happy? Me as like, I am right now. Yeah, exactly. But. But I know, I know it's hard for a lot of people and, you know, my heart goes out to people who have gone down those places. And I think, I think you're Mm -hmm. doing some good work out there and commend you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with suicidal thoughts is, is, is scary. And I think, oh, it's, it's intimidating, especially for a lot of people. And it's just like, actually, like, this is, this is when you should kind of come together and, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, to be there to support and, and yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's I remember mm-hmm. I, I remember talking to my doctor and I was telling her I was like, the fact that I entertain the idea of suicidal thoughts, like tells me mm-hmm. that I need to get help. I like I've mm-hmm. had times where I just I've never hurt myself. I feel I feel grateful for that, like, at least not physically. Mm-hmm. But I'll think about it. I'll fantasize like all the ways mm-hmm. of like what I could do, you know, mm-hmm. I'll be in the kitchen and I'm looking at the knife. But when I, I I've had times where like, I'll pinch myself just to see how it feels. I was like, Nope, can't do it. <laughs> I can't, I can't hurt myself. But what I can do is I can I can work out till I'm really sore. You yeah, know, I can, I can like, yeah. you know, do stuff where it's like, I'm so exhausted, where in a way that's, it, mm-hmm. that's a form of hurting myself, but not really tricking yeah. myself to actually helping myself. And those are actually, those are really great coping skills. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And I do, I have a lot of coping skills with, with all the changes that I've gone through. I do journaling. Yeah. I, uh, I do this mm-hmm. show. Like I, part of why, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm three hours ahead of both of you. And, and part of why I do these shows purposely in the evening is because that's when my depression tends to kick in. And, oh. and so I, I just thought, you know what, let me just fill up that time with, with talking to people, you know, and having something yeah. like this. So, yeah, but no, it's, it's awesome. And I, I feel, I think it's just great, like what you're doing. And it's, it's always nice because even in my own, in my own surrounding of what I know of, of most, uh, uh, most of my relatives, like we take jobs that the stable jobs, like nursing, mm-hmm. engineering, joining the military. And so I remember mm-hmm. when I told one of my relatives that I wanted to be a psychologist, the first thing he said was like, oh, so you want to work with crazy people? You want to work with crazy people? Mm-hmm. And like, that was mm-hmm. already like, that was really discouraging. And then when I got an F in my psychology yeah. class, I was like, all right, well, um, there you go. I guess I, I guess I'm not doing this. So <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I definitely got that too. Oh, you want to work? Well, also, so it, my parents have care home they own a care home for developmentally disabled adults and mm-hmm. so they had some kind of understanding of what mental health was but they thought it was mostly that right mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. people with down syndrome or something like that so it was a little bit more it wasn't as, as tough of, of yeah when I when I told my dad I was changing my major from like nursing to psychology yeah first off I, I every time I've made like big transitions in my life like I would pretty much like present it to my dad. Like it was a business proposal. Like I would do my homework. Like I was like, nice. yeah, these are the careers I can have in it. This is what I need to do. These are the steps I'm going to take. This is the, like, this is the income that I hope to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, no, I did my research. Right. Smart. Smart. Wow. I'm like, I, don't know. I know the questions are going to come. So it's just like, let me, let me make sure I have the answers. So they can't throw like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, let me just, let me do the homework. 
No, that's smart. We had an episode. Let me see if I can like find the episode number so I can give a shout out to episode 12. A shout out to Rochelle. She was talking about like whenever she tries to get a new job, she always, mm-hmm. she, she comes prepared. Like she almost like proposing mm-hmm. like what her value is and what, and the potential mm-hmm. that she can, potential she has and what she mm-hmm. can do for like the company. And so that's just what reminded me of, of what you're, what you try to do your dad every time. It's okay. If I come super pre- yeah. prepared, he won't think that I'm trying to like, just doing this like haphazardly. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm super excited because we are getting to my most favorite part of this uh, interview, which is really talking about the life lessons and the stories that inspired those life lessons uh, for the Filipino American woman. Uh, Before I do really dive into it, though, I I do want to check in with Nani. Was there anything you wanted to add before we move forward? I do have a couple of questions, but I can wait until the end. Mm -hmm. But I did want to say that I definitely do the same thing with my dad. He was actually, we were at a neighbor's house a couple of weeks ago and one of his neighbors, one of his friends, Mm -hmm. and he was like bragging to them talking about, oh yeah, every time when my daughter used to ask me for something when she was little, I made her write a research paper and present to me why I should get it for her. <laughs> so that's definitely a Filipino dad thing, I think. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. So Adeline, when I when we had asked you what life lesson you wanted to share with us today, you said that determining your personal values while exploring and incorporating your different cultural values, whether that be Filipino, American, female, psychologist, et cetera. So basically what, what I'm getting from this <laughs> is that you want to like, you want to determine what your personal values are while exploring all the different sides of you. And, and you find mm-hmm. that to be very important to do. So I'd love for you to mm-hmm. elaborate on that and share like maybe what what aspect or story in your life that led you to wanting to do that? I think this is one of the things that I've, I've actually learned more from doing therapy is just like I, one of the things I always ask my clients is just like, what what's the overall goal and not necessarily goal in like the check mark, but also like your values of like, how do you want to how do you want to act that's in line with those values? Because that's where a lot of the conflict often comes from, especially like when you think of like guilt, mm. right? It's just like, and I feel like because that's so, that's so prevalent mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in a lot of our community, it's just so like, well, let me, let me actually just go back to like, what, what's my value, right? Because my parents' values might be different from mine in, and they might have some tweaks or whatever, but in my value of like, I still want to be a good person. And how do I define that? Cause a lot of times I feel like there's also like people who are like, Oh, well, I, I value family. Well, what does that look like? Does that look like someone like you value your family and that um, you love and accept everyone for who you are, or you value family and that everyone has a role and they abide by these expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. So going more into like defining like, oh, yeah, like I, I value respect. Is that like a hierarchical respect system or is it like, no, I like respect people like people like earn my respect. Right. I'm not necessarily going to be disrespectful, but it, I'm not just going to respect you because you're older. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good way mm-hmm. to kind of um, to really specify. It's like, well, what kind of respect? I like mm-hmm. that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also like I in when I was doing my research or presenting on like Filipino mental health, like kind of explaining a little bit more about the cultural values, too, and understanding like why it is that our families sometimes are kind of driven to interact with us in a different way. 
and so it's just like okay well let me under, at least understand those and in, incorporate those like for example for me like pakiki sama like the sense of being together with my community the not liking conflict right yeah it it's hard especially like if that plays a role in in my therapy sessions right where i'm supposed to challenge you mm-hmm. right where i'm supposed to be like oh you say this but there's a conflict between what you're saying and what you're actually doing let me point that out that it's a little bit like I want I do like I of course want clients to like me and things like that but at the same time too it's like okay I understand why I have this tendency to want to please other people and like in my role as a therapist they're coming for to me to help them reach their goal so let me go back to like that let me go back to like okay what was their goal and coming to me let me go back to like I am, I'm actually like doing, doing them a service by, by challenging them. Right. Mm -hmm. So understanding like where that, that tendency is coming from. And in this particular moment, that's not making sense. Right. Mm. Or that's not as effective. For me, it was a lot of kind of exploration of, of myself and of like what I wanted to incorporate, what I wanted to kind of live by. I think a lot of times too, it kind of, it can change over time. Right. Like right now, if I were to like pull out my values list, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, like I've and I've done this a couple of times. Right. And then they could be different each time where like my values, they might be consistent, but there's a different priority to what I value right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like right now, I, I value growth. I, I value acceptance. Right. I I'm more in the space of I want to be open and honest with with my parents, with my relationships, like especially like as a, as a teenager, I was very much like, or even in, in elementary school, I didn't really tell my parents that much. Right. And now it's just like, well, I want to be accepted. Right. Like this is, the, these are all sides of me. So yeah. in my relationship with my family, I'm putting more of a focus on that. Right. So, so yeah. I do have some questions for you that you can mm-hmm. kind of just skim through for the sake of time. Sure. But I wanted to, first ask you how you incorporate Filipino psychology, because I've heard you mention now a couple of the things from those. So I'm also trying to study that right now, Mm -hmm. which is partly why I'm asking, but I'm curious to know how you incorporate that into your practice with your clients. So part of it is just being more mindful of like my culture, (laughs) right? Doing my research to make sure that, you know, culturally competent with whoever comes into my door. Filipino psychology more so in the sense of like I it's hard because it's also like I also want to make room for the fact that not every Filipino person that walks in my office is going to present the same way mm-hmm. right True. Uh, like I might have people who are like curated who who have a good relationship with parents who don't who immigrated and have a strong duty to their family right like everyone kind of comes in differently but at mm-hmm. least my awareness of like where is this coming from? Sorry, but yeah, like at least my awareness of like where this is coming from, right, can help me help me guide a little bit more, like how I how I interact with that person. It's actually interesting too. So with DBT, it is very kind of it's a Western you know model of therapy, right? There were some aspects of that or some coping skills with it that I was just like, I remember when I was teaching it, I was like this this tinges a little bit like. For example, one of the things that it teaches is that you're not supposed to assume what other mm. people are thinking, mm-hmm. right? Like you're not, you, you can't know that, right? That's their internal experience. You can only ask or like you can observe the expression on their face or whatever, but you can't just, you're not supposed to just assume what they're thinking. But that very much conflicts with Filipino value of like 
pakiti ramdam, right? Like you're supposed to be yeah. able to know how I'm feeling in my shoes, right? Like, wow. and it's just like, oh, that's that's hard. <laughs> right. right. And I've actually, I threw this out with my, to my supervisor. I was like, I wonder if there's like, if there's like a, because I know in a different form of therapy, I think it's PCIT, there's one for more collectivistic cultures. And so I was like, I wonder if there's that form for like, for DBT. And so I haven't found any yet. She keeps encouraging me to people to, to see if I can start like a grant to, to do that. But I was like, that's intimidating. Wow. <laughs> but that it would is be something really cool, that I, Yeah. Because, yeah, there are concepts that I'm just like, oh, this, like, this, this hurts a little. <laughs> it just doesn't sit right with me and where I, right. where I come from. Right. Definitely. Well, Adeline, I think we've had such an awesome conversation. I feel like you covered so much and I can't believe how quickly the time flew. I, I just yeah. enjoyed hearing you talk <laughs> really and sharing your experience as a psychologist. <laughs> and we wish you the best of luck when you take your exam again. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts for us and our listeners? One of the things I was actually thinking about too, uh, going back to the, the question of like defining your own personal values too, is like, I, I also wanted to talk about the concept of shame, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of the things that I think is very, very prevalent in our communities, right? It's been very effective in keeping people in line in terms of your family, your community, your religious affiliation, your colonized communities and all Along that good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's been effective, but it also can be like a double-edged sword, right? Like it, if you're always scared that your community is going to reject you for for taking this step, for doing this thing, you you tend to like risk less, right? You're not as willing to to take the risk and to 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 put yourself out there or to do these things that might be a passion for you, right? And and I've seen that, and I. I that was actually something that I was thinking about more so in terms of like my exam, for example, mm -hmm. right? Because I did have that thought of like, oh man, like are people gonna like reject me because of like, are people that are gonna think that I'm a bad like therapist because I didn't pass this test the first time. And I was scared to come onto this podcast. It wasn't necessarily shame of like community because I, I have a pretty good supportive community of like cousins and friends who are just all like, no, you got this, like it's fine. like. Even my dad was just like, no, like, that's okay. You'll just take the next one, <laughs> right? But, but yeah, like that, that sense of like, I, I know of and know people who have graduated their doctorate and have completed all the steps but taking these exams because of that fear of if I don't pass, like, what do I say to these people? What do I say to my family? Oh, what do I say to my friends and family? So, yeah. Like I have a, a friend who he actually graduated, I think two years before me. And he, he just took, so there's two exams that you need to take to be licensed in California. He just took the first one. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I was just like, because of that, that hesitation, because I mean, there's also probably other factors too as well, like financially, like it's expensive to take the test. <laughs> but I know that shame and that sense of like that fear of rejection is a big part of that as well. Yeah, I feel like so, yeah. we could totally have another episode just talking about mm -hmm. shame and all the mm -hmm. all the sayings, all the Filipino sayings. Yeah. And like feeling like yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like how you're like in debt to your family forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It sucks because it's just like there's places where shame makes sense, right? If I see like a school shooter, I'm like, man, like you you have no shame. Right. (laughs) Right. Like you should be in line with some kind of like moral code, right? Yeah. I was just going to say that the way that HIA was originally explained to me was that it works like a checks and balances kind of system. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. a, a perfect example that I can relate to from when I was younger is I didn't have any siblings. So my cousins were like my siblings. And when Mm -hmm. I started to get older and get into boys and stuff, I was, I was a tomboy when I was super young. And then my cousin kind of got me into being girly and doing my hair Mm -hmm. and matching my clothes. And you can look at that as a, as an example of, it's not like she was trying to shame me. She was trying to save me from embarrassment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But essentially, it's doing the same thing. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. criticizing. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just wanted yeah. to throw that in there. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. It's one of those things, like I said, it's just like, yeah, it keeps you in the status quo. Right? Yeah. Mm. And make sure your community is also like doing these good things, right? Of Like, oh, we're, we're following along. We're, we're abiding by the rules or, or what have you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Dr. Adeline Kunanong Liang, I just <laughs> want to thank you. I wanted to say your full name. I wanted to just thank you so, so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it. For anyone that wants to reach out to you and learn more about you, how can they do that? So they can email me, Dr. A. Conanon Liang at Gmail, right? If anyone's in school or graduate school or looking for resources, I have a bunch of those. Cool. <laughs> and then I actually just started a public Instagram profile. It's Doctorate Adeline or Dr. Atte Adeline, or sorry, yeah, Dr. Atte Adeline. <laughs> it's like brand new. That. So I don't really have just, that much people. Yeah. <laughs> I just tagged all of us in a post. So, so Nani, you can follow her in, in the post. Yeah, I think I, I think I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for joining that's us on it. Instagram because that's how we do most of our marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we will spam well, you there. I've been following <laughs> a bunch of like people that had been on your podcast. So I was just like, oh, let me, I should, I should just connect in this way in this forum. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And then there's also like followyourcompasstherapy.com or psych360.com for like my professional work stuff. Cool. Cool. Yes. And listeners, yeah. if you missed any of that, you know how generous I am with our show notes. Just go ahead and visit those and you can get all that information. Ladies, I'm going to thank you both so much for your time. Nani, co-hosting with me as always. And Adeline, I want to thank you as well. And to our listeners listening in, I had a great show and we look forward to hearing from you and your feedback. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye, ladies. Thank you for, for having me on your show. Thank you for this forum, for holding the space for us to kind of share our stories and for shining a light on these stories to help build you know the sense of community and connection to our our Filipino sisters so again thank you take care
Okay, listeners, we had such an awesome conversation and Adeline actually has a couple more minutes with us. So we thought we'd use uh, after the outro to just for Nani to have some time to ask a couple more questions to Adeline. So Nani, take it away. Okay. (laughs) So apologies that this is now a tangent from where our conversation Mm -hmm. originally was, but we were talking before about a lot about your relationship with your parents, specifically your dad Mm -hmm. growing up and how you guys have been able to somehow transform that relationship into a much better one now today as an adult. I I think that we can all agree that daddy issues is a common theme (laughs) that we have in our community. So what would you tell to someone who's still kind of experiencing that conflict with their dad of I don't, I don't want to say wanting their parents wanting to control them, but just not mm-hmm. seeing eye to eye with what you want to do with your life and mm-hmm. making your own decisions and living out of fear of disappointing them and all mm-hmm. of that. What would you yeah. tell someone that's trying to communicate better with their father? For me, it was a lot of just taking space, right? Of, of giving me that room. So I actually moved out of my parents' house when I was, I was still going to like community college. My second year of college, it, it wasn't on any like bad terms. It was more of like, I'm an only child. This is how I proposed it. Right? I'm an only child. I need to know how to live with roommates. And, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. and so I, I was able to like have the space to like be in a different city from my parents. But also in that too, of like really connecting to like where he was coming from. So I've gone back to the Philippines four times as an adult. And I, each of those times I learned something new about my family, my cousins and my, my aunts and uncles loved talking about them because they're just like, let me tell you how it is. <laughs> I think one of the things that I learned in, in going back, I kind of saw that like my parents were very much living in this time capsule of what they viewed the Philippines to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And trying to hold me to these values that that were kind of old school in comparison to how people are actually living in the Philippines now. Right. And so when we got back and when I was able to see that kind of not necessarily confronting, but like like I kind of would hint at my dad, I'm like, see, look at look at so and so. Right. Like they're, they're doing this and that or like my cousins aren't necessarily like I'm not so far off. <laughs> yeah. Right. In my in my uh, you know attempt to be individualistic right so that was one of the things and and also learning more about them and their culture and how their family worked I think at some point too my dad kind of saw that the values that he was trying to instill in me that I was still living those in my mm. own way mm-hmm. right like I was still doing those things one of the things my dad I remember one of the, uh one of the times that he said he was proud of me <laughs> was we had <laughs> these like <laughs> We had family members from the East Coast, from Jersey, coming over, and there was like a lot of them. And there's a bunch of cousins that I had maybe met once when I was over there. And when I was over there, I was like super shy and really timid and, and didn't really know how to interact with them. But when they came here, for whatever reason, I, I'm typically like a shy person, but for whatever reason, I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to go out there and say hi and get along with it. Right. So I was just out there and entertaining them and just engaging with them. And he was just like, that's Filipino. I like that. Like he was like, I'm proud of you. You still maintain this. Aww. Right. And so it was just like, so in, in some ways he started seeing like these, these morals, these values that he was trying to like instill in me, like they, they came out, like I have them, 
it's like, don't worry, they're there. Um, right, in your own and way. And so kind of, yeah, and kind of giving him a chance to, to see that and to engage with him in a different way. And then also, I think in, in graduate school, I had this one friend who like on her breaks, she would always like call her mom. And that was like the weirdest thing to me. I'm like, you just, you just chat with your parents like that? Like, <laughs> I, I yeah, know. that's weird. <laughs> right? I was like, I don't do that. And she was like, yeah, no, we just, and I was like, what do you guys talk about? Right. And so I kind of made this conscious decision. Like, I, I'm going to try this out. Like, what would it be like to just talk to my parents? Mm. Like they're just humans. Right. And so, and so, yeah, so I, I started that. It was really awkward at first. My mom didn't know what to talk about. I didn't know what to talk about. <laughs> Um, but it was just this experiment of like, oh, okay. And then I actually, part of it too, is I would in a way kind of also reinforce the conversation of like, if there's subjects I didn't like to talk about, you're like, oh, well, there's, there's class I got to go. <laughs> and so I, I don't know if they noticed, but definitely that sense of like, oh, this is a topic I don't really care for. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to avoid this topic, right? <laughs> like, I, this is my boundary. I don't necessarily go into that, but, but Yeah. Different, different things I've, I've done and tried. It's, it's been a learning process. I think for the both of us now too, I think my dad's also grown in, in who he is. And I, I did notice definitely there was a change. So my dad's at a point now where he's like planning to retire and he wants to retire in the Philippines. And I remember talking to him about like, you know, why, why are you going back to the Philippines and this and that? And he's like, I did what I came here to do, right? Like we came here, we, we, you, you're educated, you're, you mm. can find a job, you're married, like these check boxes that I had for you, you've met them except for the whole having a, a kid thing. <laughs> my dog's my kid. That's where it is right now. <laughs> Me too. Us too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Answer. Yes. But yeah, so like you have a grandkid, look, her name is Eleanor. <laughs> But, but yeah, so he's like, I've, I've met these check boxes, so I, I'm good, right? <laughs> I was like, no, wow. but, so it's, it's been a shift. It's been a change. I think at some point, too, my cousin also reminded me that your dad is human, right? Expecting yeah. anything other than just him having his faults or him just being perfect, like, that's, that's illogical. Like, he's human. Yeah. Like, he's going to mess up, too. And so having that like space of like, okay, yeah, I, I get that piece <laughs> by having that grace for him. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I heard you're going to the Philippines too. I am for the first time ever. I'm very, yeah. very excited. I'm ecstatic. That's <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's fun. Um, uh, or at least I had a bunch of fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm getting I've already been planning my whole agenda for like months and months and mm-hmm. I'm going the mm-hmm. group of friends and so they nice. want to do obviously a lot of different things than I originally had planned mm-hmm. to do. So I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. going to take I'm already planning my next trip which I'm not sure when it's going <laughs> to be but <laughs> Very nice. I, I definitely am going to need to go back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like the last time I was there my husband was whole it was into this whole like learning about like the mythical stuff, right? Mm. Like the myths and legends, the lore, right? Because I yes. guess from where my dad is, there's a lot of that. And so, yeah, he was just having story time with my cousins. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm hoping that my family over there, because I've never met, well, I've met maybe like two or three of them, but everyone else I don't mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they'll give me lots of stories and lots of yeah. good stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I've been trying to study the Filipino psychology on my own and even a little nice. bit of the mythology, which gets really, really confusing. So I'm just like, I need someone here to like 
bounce this information off of you know I can't just like read about it and learn <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah no have you picked up Filipino psychology by Kevin Nadal I don't know if that's what I have but I have some pdf that is basically oh. just like an introduction kind of explaining mm -hmm. all of the key elements and I'm still trying to work through that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So Kevin Nadal wrote a bunch of Filipino psych Filipino American psychology books. Okay. Um, and they're like their stories and, okay. and interviews with other people. It's actually pretty cool. I was first introduced to him in like in college, but yes. But yeah, yes. he's like Filipino American queer psychologist. Oh, wow. In New York. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to get the names of those from you. I met yeah. him like couple. I met him. Yeah, I met him around like college too, and I remember he was like touring around California and I was like because you know like when I failed my whole psychology career thing I've always mm -hmm. admired other psychologists so I was like in mm -hmm. awe of him I was like oh my gosh like he's here he's queer you know <laughs> like he's yeah, like yeah. everything and I remember like we were we were working with a nonprofit in San Diego I'm not sure if they're still around so I won't like say their name but mm -hmm. he wanted to like we he was trying to put together like focus groups to collect more stories because he had already had the first Filipino American psychology mm -hmm. book out but he wanted mm -hmm. to I believe yeah. he wanted wanted to make another version where it was just stories like you mentioned. Yeah. And so, and I know, I know uh, Dr. Ray Monzon over there at San Diego State, he, nice. he shared his story on there as well. And he's doc, Dr. Ray, I, I actually call him Ray just because he was just so down to earth. Like he was like, he was like one of the yeah. college kids, you know, I loved him and, and Very like how cool. chill he was. And now I think, I don't know, I haven't checked lately, but I know he is the he was the advisor of Andres Panafasho Samahan, the student organization oh, at nice. San Diego State. Yeah, and so yeah. it was really cool. But yeah, he was a psychologist too. Man, there's like so many psychologists I didn't there realize are. I had in my life. There but are. you know, what yeah, I mean? well, like I didn't, I didn't know there was so many. Like, so the first time I ever met a Filipino psychologist, I was already in grad school. And I was just like, I need to, I need to hang on to you. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. We're in the field or, you know, that we're doing this. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I didn't, I had the book and I never made that connection of like, oh, I'm joining his, his field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I didn't realize that. And then I think, I, I don't know which, which version, but he did like kind of, I think it was like an, an acknowledgement or a dedication to Judy Pataxfield, who was a professor. She used to teach at Miramar. I think she used to, she works with just the counseling center now, mm -hmm. but yeah. At like Miramar College, but yeah, I was just like, oh. anyways. Oh, that's so awesome! That's so awesome. Is your client there yet? <laughs> yeah, I do have to go. Okay, okay. I didn't want to keep like talking if like you know yeah, you have you have a life, but no. Once but again, keep in uh, yeah. If you have more questions, I'm more than happy to like to answer. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, those were the two big ones that I wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. So that's that's good. But I definitely do want to get the names of those books from you because I'm on a, yeah. a book hype right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, awesome. great. Well, have a great session with your client and Nani, it's good having you and both of you and, and have a wonderful rest of the week. Yes. Thank you. You too. too. Good night. In the good East night, Coast. you guys. Yes, good night. I'm going to try to sleep early. Yeah, that's part of my new like health regimen is to sleep early. So wish me luck. Get to bed, Jen. Okay. Okay. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.